I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we discuss all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. So Rob, influencer marketing is a big part of Web 2, but we're still finding our feet in Web 3. Yes we are, there's a lot of shady practices and some things that we need to highlight. I am back in the sunny old UK after my excursion to New York for NFT NYC, and uh, mm. thankfully for your ears, uh, I've got my proper mic back, so um, I no longer sound like garbage. I mean, that was in a way that was my fault because uh, you didn't, you did say you probably wouldn't have time to do a podcast <laughs> that week, um, but then I made you, so uh, you had to use AirPods. Yeah, um, we got some good feedback from that episode, though. Um, a few nice messages in, uh, well, to, to me personally and in our Discord, and a few on uh, on socials as well, saying it was a it was a nice change of pace to do a kind of a live on the ground kind of reaction to to what was going on. So, uh, mm. no, thank you to everybody who gave us our feedback for that, and uh, I'm sure if there's uh, any opportunities for us to do. Uh, something similar in future, particularly if there's any uh, upcoming events, then uh, would like to do the same thing once again. So, uh, yeah, I think I think so. Also, on the note of positive feedback and feedback in general, I'm going to give a little um, a jewel plug here for your site and my article. The article about Wax going mainstream and what it needs to do to push on to the next level. I got a lot of comments and messages about that. Uh, which we, this sounds a little contrived, like we've already spoken about this, but we haven't. So I just thought I'd say to you: Did you notice a, you know, a stronger reply to that than than usual? Because uh, I certainly did. It got some very good traction. Um, when I posted it to Twitter, it got um, a bit more, a bit more action than uh, than say we usually expect. And I also saw it as being organically shared by a couple of um, yeah, influencers in the space as well, which was uh, yeah, really good to see. And it was. Um, well, I'm not sure if anybody at Wax themselves has read it. So I would imagine uh, one or two of them may have done. But yeah, we got some good reaction to the space and a lot of, uh, as you say, a lot of positive feedback as well. So yeah, for for those who. Um, who like that style of article. I'm sure Rob has uh, plenty more in the can for, for both Token Gamer and NFT Insider coming up as well. Um, but I'm I'm also working on a, a relatively uh, spicy article to, to come out on NFT Insider. Um, whether it'll be before this podcast or after it, I'm not sure, but um, I'll be interested to see how people, uh, how people like that one. <laughs> I think, I, I feel like we've, we're gradually carving out our own niche of sort of, criticizing web three from within it, it seems to be a niche we're building for ourselves yeah i think there's not many people in the space that are doing that kind of critique there's a lot of news sites and a lot of people reporting what's going on but very few people that are analyzing it and providing their own kind of commentary uh, and i think that's um that's a niche where we are starting to find uh yeah we're starting to find a nice little nice little corner of web three for ourselves and uh, and speaking of uh, kind of analysis and commentary of the space. That's what this podcast is going to be all about. So, um, as is. we as we said in the intro, um, influencer marketing. I mean, in the past ten years, has absolutely blown up, and it's it's bigger today than it has been at any point. But uh, in the Web two space, you know, if you're promoting, I don't know, makeup products or a drink or some sort of fidget spinner. Jesus, that's a <laughs> so that's an Fidget aging spinner. aging reference, <laughs> but but if if you're advertising those products as an influencer, there's a very kind of set um, set procedure and rules um, that you need to follow. You know, especially if you're in the UK, you know you've got to comply by the Advertising Standards Authority in terms of you know um, how you'll you'll have to present these and you know how you discuss your interaction, whether you've been paid or whether you've been given these products and you know there's certain things you can say, can't say, etc, etc, etc but all that's been kind of figured out and for the most part the influencer marketing space is uh, is going smoothly in Web2 uh, but now influencer marketing is of course with it being kind of the hot the hot way for projects and people and chains to, to interact with the wider community um, it's becoming more and more prevalent in Web3 now when you're promoting, um, you know, a brand new Web3 game or a particular blockchain, you're not just advertising something that people can buy to put on their face or, you know, a game that they can purchase and enjoy or, you know, uh, I don't know, they're not trying to sell you football shirt. They're not trying to sell you something that, you know, you give money, you receive a product and you're either happy or you're unhappy. In, in Web3, it's often they're trying to sell you 
NFTs, which is it's a financial instrument. As much as we might want to say, and some blockchains might not want to say for regulatory purposes that they're not, you know, oh, they're just collectibles. They're just, you know, they're, they're cool things that people can own. Y- you know, we all know that these digital assets, these NFTs have value. And if you are, if you are an influencer who is being, um, let's say, paid money or otherwise recompensed to um, to promote a particular NFT or a particular chain, there's a lot of um, ethical considerations um, that are probably worth discussing that, that aren't really present in Web2. And in fairness, I've not seen many other people discuss up to this point. And um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot more recently what with waxes uh waxes sorry uh, ambassador program uh and of course the rise of web3 influencers in general you know there's there's more and more youtubers and social media personalities popping up who are solely dedicated to promoting all things web3 and on the whole reporting things as they should do to uh to these standards that have been um have been set in the web2 space they're not um they're not following them as stringently, I don't believe. That was a very rambly start to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to kind of this topic. But I, I feel like there's there's so many nuances to this topic that I'm sure we're going to get through in this podcast that um, it, it's going to be a bit here, there and everywhere. But I hope that we'll be able to kind of cover the, the entirety of this topic with uh, some level of in-depth discussion. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm kind of in an interesting position with this topic because... When I started working full-time in um, the photography sector, social media influencers were very new. They, mm. they, I, I can't remember for sure whether the word influencers was even being banded around that much, yep. but it was, it was very, very new. And I, I remember I had on Instagram quite early on, I had about, I don't know, 3,000 followers or something like that. Something not you know, not impressive at all now, but back then yeah, it's huge. I, I actually had brands reaching out to me um, mm. because it, it, it was, it was that much. So I was kind of there for like the inception of social media influencers. And then I, re- I started to see the problems that were coming out of it and they were coming thick and fast. And then mm-hmm. we saw regulation and laws implemented and I was there for that transition, which was kind of rocky, but you know, got there. And now um, post those laws coming in, um, it's mostly been okay. It, it's it's generally okay, but I've so I've written a load of notes down on some of the failings of, of Web two on this front. Even now, there's some failings, but when it comes to Web three, it's uh, I mean it's ridiculous. There's there's so much shady stuff going on. I I, I almost don't know where to start, but <laughs> I, I think what we should do is maybe go over. Uh, so what you said in that was in your um, sort of monologue there was one of the things that I've I also thought until I did a little bit of research today, mm-hmm. um, which is so the UK um, Advertising Standards Authority have in September 2018 they released all these guidelines and uh, a lot of it is legally backed and I wasn't sure what the US did but mm-hmm. I've compared the Federal Trade Commission's um, guidelines. And they're very, very similar. So while we are talking about the UK, I think most of the time, um, it does seem like it's pretty close to -to one-to-one with um, the US. Other countries, obviously, uh, I don't know. Um, Now, there was was one sentence on... Actually, no, it's it's a paragraph I wanted to read out straight away, which is about what is illegal when yep. it comes to paid influence in it doesn't obviously doesn't mention web 2 or web 3 but it it's it's just it should cover both yeah uh, of course essentially um, and it said practices which may break the law are falsely claiming or giving the impression that an individual is acting outside of their business purposes or falsely representing themselves as a consumer failing to identify a commercial intent behind a social media post and omitting or hiding material information is illegal mm-hmm. um which is really convoluted way of saying that content you create where you gain financially must be declared as sponsored content that's yeah. the the sort of underlining message there now i don't know what your experience with this is but i then went through obviously when i created token gamer i already had a lot of 
uh, experience. And, you know, I still work in the photography sector as an editor of a site that's one of the leading sites in the industry. Lots of writers, lots of content. I have to be aware of um, lots of the ways in which this affects uh, both the company legally and the writers and your, you know, reputation. Yeah. And I did a little refresher before this podcast to go over some of the stuff. And I've spotted some really weird stuff stuff with the 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 rules and regulations are not uh difficult to circumvent i i don't think from from what i've seen um uh, so what sort of experience do you have with this side of things because obviously you've you created nft insider so you know you you have um some experience with it what you know what's your feelings on what we have so far yeah so prior to nft insider and through like previous jobs i've been in previous kind of businesses that i've started and things that i've been a part on um i've always been kind of familiar with what especially in the uk what the advertising standards authority says with regards to to influencer marketing so i've kind of always been up to speed with that and when it comes to nft insider i've always tried to make sure that um i am following the regulations to a T. You know, the last thing yeah. we want is to get in trouble with the, uh, the UK authorities for, for doing things in, the, in a way that we shouldn't. But then I, when I look across, I'm going to discuss the wax landscape here because it's the one I'm most familiar with. Um, there are, I would say, the majority of influencers in the space, um, if a authority were to look at them, whether it's the UK one or the US one, would have severe issues with the way they are going about talking about projects or, um, you know, discussing them in any way, shape, or form. So, mm. as I said, in in the Web2 space, you know, you get paid X amount of money by a hairdryer company to promote a hairdryer. People might buy the hairdryer and then, you know, there, there's not really any any further detail or to, to kind of discuss in that transaction. I think that's fairly... People kind of expect that, and there's it's not like, you know, people are going to be able to earn money off the hairdryer that they buy. Um, whereas in in web three you know consumers can actively earn off of products that are being sold to them um and also there's the added um caveat that you know if if let's say an influencer bought five of these hair dryers for whatever reason um and they then talked about them it's not like they could then go and sell those hair dryers for more than they could previously, <laughs> you know. Whereas <laughs> in the Web3 space, let's say um, I hold a Bored Ape and then I write a very positive article about Bored Apes, I could influence the price or, or the floor price of, uh, of Bored Apes increasing. There isn't, or to my knowledge, there's not too much strict regulation around that kind of interaction and I don't think the regulations really caught up from an influencer marketing point of view when it comes to Web3. Um, because again, in terms of governments, there's not many people saying, hey, are NFTs, uh, should NFTs be judged in the same way as stocks? You know, should they be taxed in the same way as stocks? Um, yeah, sorry, just to jump in. That, that, so this is, a, this is a tricky area. Now, we've discussed before about the regulation side of... Uh, so people who write about financial institutions and stocks, many of the editorial policies prohibit them from writing about stocks that they've invested in. Mm-hmm. But as far as regulation goes, I don't know um, how much it extends, but I wouldn't want regulation prohibiting people from being able to buy an NFT and then talk positively about that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you've bought something and then positively discuss it, uh, even if you think, well, I, you know, maybe the price will go up. Even if you were that disingenuous with your motives, I still wouldn't want any regulation against it. I think that's, you know, par for the course with everything on earth, you know, if you buy something, uh, particularly as an investment. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on what the reach of your audience is. Like, If you're just an average collector who just, let's say, you know, you buy, for example, a cool cat, if you were to say something positive about it, I don't think many people could accuse you of, let's say oh you know you're you're manipulating the price you're increasing the price of this asset you're because you're just you're just a collector you know but whereas if someone at let's say coindesk or coin telegraph or even us to an extent were to buy into a uh, project buy loads of its nfts and then start talking very positively about it that is i believe a, an ethical dilemma 
Um, I, and so can I just jump in on uh, again on this? Yeah, for sure. I while I agree with the sentiment, I disagree with it being a dilemma. I think because particularly with Web three, obviously blockchain being everything being on chain and being trackable, it's going to get. To, we've already seen it with celebrities buying things. They don't yep. even have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They could like Eminem bought a load of bored apes, and the floor price went up. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least I, I, th- I think that's yeah, yeah. what happens. But, it, it, you know, that's immaterial to the point. These celebrities can buy, you know, a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape or any NFT, any NFT, literally, mm-hmm. any, they can buy anything. And people know their wallets and then they see it and then the price goes up. So uh, you can't ban them from buying stuff and you want to know their wallet for transparency. So I don't think there's a way around it. I think there's a difference between a celebrity buying an NFT because obviously people will follow what they do, especially if they're, you know, going into NFTs. They think, oh, Eminem's bought a board ape. What's a board ape? And then they look into it and, and then people in the Web3 space think, oh, yeah, this huge name getting into, getting into the NFTs that I like. So they're going to be worth more now. I think there's a difference between just a, uh, a, a person in the public eye buying an NFT and someone within the industry whose job it is to, to actively talk about what's going on buying an nft then talking about it a lot then it going up in price because i mean as far as i can try and do so with nft insider i never try and say that hey you should definitely buy into this um i I usually word things along the lines of if you like x then you might like this or hey this project is all about this if that's your kettle of fish then you might want to take a further look but there are many influencers in the space that are kind of the complete opposite of that that are very much like hey everybody buy this project right away blah 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 and then not transparent at all that they hold like i don't know 20 eth worth of nfts in that project and and whilst i do think yes people can um obviously view these um these nfts um that people hold on the blockchain i think it's a bit facetious to not be upfront with that Uh, it's something that i'm trying to do a lot more than nft insider so for example if i I've got an article coming up where I'm going to talk a bit more about Cool Cats, and within the past two weeks, I have purchased one. Um, so, uh, not a Cool Cat, I bought a Cool Pet, but still, I, I think that it is right of me to disclose that, hey, this is, for transparency's sake, I hold an NFT relevant to this project. You know, people people know that up front, and people can judge for themselves whether they think I'm biased or whether, you know, they think I'm just saying things in a particular way because I hold that NFT. But I think if I were not to state up front that I was holding, um, you know, for example, a blockchain brawler or a cool pet or whatever, and then were to write very positively about it, I I wouldn't be comfortable myself doing that. Um yeah. And if it's not to say that I would expect that of other people, but you know, for example, to bring up the the CoinDesk example, if somebody from CoinDesk was to write a, a a positive article about a particular collection, and I know they have policies in place to try and prevent this kind of thing, but you know, if if they were to write a very positive article about Bored Ape and the writer that wrote that piece was holding one and didn't disclose it, I don't think I would be the only person that has a problem with that. I think there's be many people in the community that would be like, huh, that's not quite right. You know, you've you've got this reach and people are going to read your words and trust your words and you're influencing the price and you're, you're effectively kind of earning off of your writing about this collection. So, yeah, I agree. There's definitely a distinction um, with media, uh, which, you know, includes social media influencers. I think they, they do um, operate independently of most people. But then... I mean, this is kind of a redundant point because we're overthinking this uh, as we're fringe cases. But whatever, like we'll use us as a starting point. For example, we've we've written about projects that we own something in, and like you say, we'll say, um, not suggesting you should buy this, but I think this is pretty cool. Here are some things that you know. We always offer downsides, things we don't like. Absolutely. I will always always do that. Yeah. Um, but generally, we'll not, perhaps if we like something, we'll say like for example, um, the Forge Arena. I I wasn't at first. I wasn't sure where that project was going, and I didn't write about it because I wasn't sure. And then I played it, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, this is this is pretty good. And then I've written articles about it, and we've done some giveaways and stuff. Now 
I have a few skins probably worth $3. So it's a, this is a very fringe case, but there's probably quite a few examples of this for both of us where we'll say, okay, this is cool. You know, it's lacking this, but I like this. Mm-hmm. I own one. And even if we declare it, we'd be like, I own some of this. I think this is cool. There you go. Yeah. But we can't deny that if that had a positive impact on the price, we benefit. There, there's no getting yeah, around absolutely. that. There's, there's yeah. no way we can own something and write about it without there being uh, a, a knock-on effect that's positive for us. And like I said, this is a fringe case and I don't even think it's particularly relevant. I don't think there's anything we can do about that. And there's no. people who are acting extremely shady in the space, which we need to focus on. Yeah. But it is difficult because you can't really be... I mean, how am I meant to play a blockchain game without owning any of the NFTs for that game? Uh, it's almost impossible. I was going to bring this point up. I, it's, it, it is impossible, really, for uh, unless the game's set up in a, in, in a particular way. But, you know, most... But most blockchain games currently you have to own particular NFTs in order to play them. Um, yeah. So I wonder what the expectation will be there moving forwards, especially when Web3 games become more mainstream um, and it comes to, you know, review sites and people that review th- these games. Is it going to be expected that people are going to hold these NFTs and perhaps profit off them? Or is it going to become like the industry standard that, I don't know, you're lent some of these NFTs for the sake of review, then you're giving them back? I think that would be a little... Yeah, maybe. That would be a little more similar to how, you know, Web2 game reviews currently work. Um, although, you know, sometimes in, in Web2, you know, you're just given a game key for free. Um, but I think there's a difference between, you know, a $20 game key and an NFT that's potentially worth four or five figures. So... Yeah, think, Web three complicates matters. For yeah, sure. the the money aspect of Web three um, complicates this whole topic in so many ways. You know, you're you're no longer talking about selling a, a product that has a set price. You're talking about helping to sell an NFT which has very high volatility. It could go up, could go down, whatever. Um, and usually, you're speaking about, um, especially in the case of NFTs, things that are worth a lot more than say you know, some makeup or a bag or, you know, you're talking about hmm. products where, you know, I mean, I was looking at, at Doodles earlier today, the Doodles um, PFP project. And, you know, I think it was about eight, nine months ago, they were selling for one ETH, two ETH, and now they're at about 13 and a half, 14 ETH each. I don't know if they've ever done this, but let's say a, a collection of that size was to start paying influencers to speak positively about the uh, about the collection. Um, would... Would the Web three community at large be be okay with that? I don't, I, I don't know. It's I what well, I worry at the moment. Yeah, they would be fine with it. I, I think at the moment, and this is I'm in the Web three community, obviously. But I think at the moment we are not critical enough of enough stuff. <laughs> wow, no, I think <laughs> I think this is the this is probably kind of our main or where where I sit on this topic right now is I think in general when it comes to most things in Web three the community at large is not anywhere near as critical, not anywhere near as investigative um, as they should be when it comes to things like influencer marketing and the ways in which project creators behave and the ways in which influencers behave. You know, I believe that if some of these current Web3 influencers were doing things in the way they are, but in the Web2 space, they'd be slaughtered by... Um, you know, industry bodies and advertising standards, etc. Like the amount of Definitely. people in Web three that just do not disclose their holdings or do not disclose that they've been, um, you know, they're being otherwise recompensed. Because it doesn't have to be. Um, I think the actual law on this is it does not have to be actual. You know, money exchanging hands. It can be product, right, yeah. which in the case would be. I used the hair dryer um, point earlier. I'm not sure why I'm going back to hair dryers. But that's hair the one that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be. It could be, you know, a, a product, in which case NFTs. Like, NFTs are a form of payment for doing something. Um, and I, I I don't want to... I don't want this to sound like I'm being overly harsh towards um, Wax's ambassador program. But there, there are some issues I have with it on that front. So I think generally, if you're... If, you know, if they want to give 
basically there's a lot of people that, that don't really understand how this works so maybe i'm giving a bit of a peek behind the curtain here that i shouldn't be but i don't think anything i'm saying is that um that kind of unexpected let's say so so obviously music mogul um the, the initial drop happened last week uh, and basically they gave um all the ambassadors it was it was like hey you know um just let us know how many packs you want to give away we'll send you some packs you do a giveaway blah 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 you know i think that's that in itself to me is fine like if if i'm not going to buy into music mogul uh and they give me 10 packs and i give away 10 packs then it's not like i've profited off that i've just given some product away to my community well it's not like i'm earning off that because i started with no nfts from that project so i'm ending with no nfts off that project but let's say for example it was hey we'll give you let's say 10 packs to give away but we'll also give you one to keep for yourself i'm like okay you're you're now in part paying me to do these giveaways and i am i'm not 100 percent sure here but i i would imagine under like um uk advertising standards and probably other standards around the world that i would i should disclose that and i know there's been a lot of people streaming them unpacking these packs that they've been given by the team and certainly in that case they would have to say hey you know here's this music mogul i have been given a pack not oh i'm just i'm just going to open this pack without kind of disclosing where i've got it from okay brace yourself here <laughs> because <laughs> this is not only an area i have a lot of experience with in web 2 but it's an area that i've brushed up on specifically for this podcast and there's quite a lot to cover so uh one of the biggest areas that was a problem um, so I, I'm, I start, my starting point for this was photography, but I ended up working as a photographer for a number of brands. So I had to look into this. So I already know a little bit about this, but one of the biggest problems um, that was addressed in the UK, but I believe it's the same in the US, was gifted items yeah. um, in lieu of payment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the social media world, this is about as common as oxygen. Like oh, yeah. it's just oh, yeah. part and parcel of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked up on the government website, the UK government website, uh, a breakdown of what is considered an ad for gifted uh, items. And it's, it's interesting. So, uh, okay, first up, first up, this is, I'm just reading this verbatim. Mm-hmm. Uh, content containing gifted items do not count as ads when A, a brand asks you if you would like to try and keep the item for free doesn't count as an ad. B, the brand who sent you gifts asks if you have shared the item online. Uh, C, the brand who sent you the gift asks for feedback. So that doesn't count as an ad if if those three things happen. Okay. Um, Content containing gifted items count as ads when A, the brand who sent you the gift asks you for for you to post specific content. Yeah. B, mm-hmm. the brand requires final approval on any posts featuring the gifted item. Or C, the brand asks for any form of editorial control. Right, yeah. so firstly, it's looser than you'd think, um, which I think is a real problem. And I can give you quite a few examples for this. Yeah. So one, I have to tread carefully here, we had to fire a writer, not a token gamer, but uh, in the photography world, because one of our writers was reviewing um, equipment and he was reaching out to the companies and saying, I'll review you for this major, major website. Basically, everybody says yes. We, we are that big. Mm-hmm. Just everybody instantly says yes. They know yep. who you are mm-hmm. in, in that industry, only that industry. Um, and then he would say at the end of the review, love the item. Can I keep it? Would, would that be okay? Now, most, the big brands usually say no to this, mm-hmm. but a lot of the smaller brands will say yes because they want you to write more content. They want you using it. Yeah. Um, and this can extend to some pretty expensive stuff. And then what this sketchy little f- please believe that, <laughs> was doing was then going on um, sale pages on Facebook and then selling the items in Oh, you're joking. Yeah, as a way of, of, of earning money off these reviews mm. and he was doing it for a while and we sacked him because of it and but there's lots of people do lots of stuff like this but then even if you're trying to be above board this is going to be p- 
perhaps a bit of an overshare on my part, but sod it, we're all friends here. Uh, I So I worked with a lot of watch brands as a photographer. And then I worked with a pretty decent Swiss brand. And they asked me a lot of questions about their watches and which watches I liked and which watches I didn't. And I told them I liked one and they gifted me a watch. Mm-hmm. Now they they didn't drop it on me. They they did email and said we'd like to gift you this watch that you like. You know, is that okay? Yep. And I, I love watches, as do you. Yeah. You know, I'm a big watch fan, and this I love this watch, and it's still my the, my favorite watch in my collection. You know, spoiler alert, I obviously accepted. <laughs> um, but this watch was four thousand pounds. Yeah. So it what it was no joke, and I. I, I couldn't get it out of my head that every time I posted about this, like if I took a picture of it and posted it on my Instagram when I was regularly posting about watch stuff, um, was I doing something sketchy? Mm. Uh, although they never asked for anything in return. And this is why I looked up the regulations. They never asked for anything in return. They, they genuine, Genuinely, they were just like, we want to give you this as a thank you for the work you've done, mm-hmm. um, which they paid for. Like, you know, it wasn't free work. And... But I, there was something just dodgy about it. But anyway, I looked at the regulations and the regulations don't cover it. Yeah. Now, what gets more complicated, and I think this is particularly pertinent to Web3, is um, what counts as advertising yeah. um, for a brand. And and this is, this is really crazy to me. And I think this is the same in the US, but I, I only know for sure that it's the same in the UK. So... Obviously, you have normal ads, banner ads, um, and then you have what's called uh, advertorials, which are articles that um, have been, well, (laughs) this is the whole point. (laughs) So I always see an advertorial as a piece that has been like a comprehensive, long form piece of journalism that has been written about a brand or a project or whatever, but they've been paid by that brand or that project. Yeah. Or... Or it's been written by the people at the project and you just publish it. Now, uh, Cointelegraph do this. Uh, I think I've seen Coindesk do this. There's a few major sites that do that. I banned it outright on Token Gamer and I will never, never do that mm-hmm. unless they offer me so much money that I will go back on my own morals, which is, <laughs> you know, wholly possible. But I've banned that because I, 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 we, we've, we've done sponsored content and we will continue to do sponsored content. We mark it very clearly. And I always say at the start of the article, just in case you didn't see, this is sponsored. But I always say to the company, what you're paying me for is for me to look and write about your project. You have no editorial control. You mm-hmm. won't see the article before it goes live. And I won't change anything. I will also say constructive criticism. Yep. And, you know, you're stuck with it because that's what we do and and I'm happy to charge less for that because I, I just don't understand the point of reading an article that was written as an advert by the person trying to sell you something it, it just seems so redundant for me mm-hmm. but anyway so before this podcast I looked up um, what constitutes an advertorial and this blew my mind right so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this directly uh, to be an advertorial the content must be both paid for by a brand and the brand has some editorial control. So technically, what I do, I could not mark as sponsored because they have no editorial control. They just pay me to look at the project, mm-hmm. which I think is is such a strange system because it, it feels like you can skirt around the problem even in Web 2. Mm. The, the reason for this whole long dialogue about gifted items <laughs> is I think I've identified this personally as the biggest issue with paid influence in Web 3. I think it's being gifted stuff. We At Token Gamer, we get gifted stuff all the time. Um, sometimes, sometimes like cold gifted like with things yeah, just land same. in my wallet that I, yeah I know I, it happens more to you than it does to me like <laughs> things just get things just land in your wallet which sounds lovely but also it, it's a bit weird mm. and then I, ju- I just give most of it away like someone gave me something last week which was really nice I just gave it immediately gave it away to the community because it just it, it feels strange it feels like it um, your objectivity is called into question mm-hmm. particularly if you're working on the project anyway uh, I think this is one of the biggest problems and I don't think almost anyone declares these particular partnerships where they've been donated 
an NFT and then they start writing about it or donated something towards a project and then they start working in that or making YouTube videos or tweeting about it. Yeah. And I think that's probably, for me, I believe that's the shadiest part of paid influence in Web3. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And from the biggest issue with this from my point of view is from a collector's perspective, you have no idea if when somebody posts about something, whether they're doing it just because they like the project or they're doing it because they have been paid or otherwise recompensed to speak positively um, about a particular collection, a particular chain, a particular project. And that's that's very dangerous. Um, yeah. It's something that's become, especially with the rise of influencer marketing, has just become a bigger and bigger problem. You know, if you think back 20 years, um, you were... It was very obvious when you were being advertised to. You know, you had a TV ad, you had a radio ad. Um, even on within TV shows nowadays, especially in the US, you know, when you're watching America's Got Talent and they're all drinking from Dunkin' Donuts cups, you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I, I, I know that's an advert. I mean, that, yeah, to, to us as Brits, that's just uh, hey, yeah. incredibly corny. But you at least know it's like, hey, that's that's advertising. I know what I'm expecting here, but we're seeing advertising creep into organic content and it's very difficult to decipher between the two unless the uh, the influencer is very transparent up front with yeah. what is and isn't an ad and it happens on a relatively regular basis in the UK that influencers are pulled up by the advertising authorities and saying hey you've been paid for this you have not marked this as an ad um, I remember the first kind of sizable case in the UK was five, six years ago with um, a YouTuber I actually quite like called Amazing Phil, who I, I believe he was um, sponsored by some sort of kind of candy company. Um, and that was doubly wrong because his audience is mostly kids. So he was paid by candy company to promote unhealthy food to children, which in the UK is a big no-no. Um, but I mean, even so, as in the Web3 space, it's, 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 very, it's very tricky to decipher paid and... Um, organic content if it's not stated up front and the whole point that what is being promoted is essentially a financial instrument you know it's something that goes up or down in value and you know a main part of them is they are supposed to be bought and sold makes it doubly complicated um I don't want to say hair dryer again, but you know, I made the, I made the point earlier that you know an influencer is not going to make a, a load of money selling you know just a, a you know a hair dryer. Oh, I've said hair dryer again. <laughs> you know they're not going to make they're not going to gain money selling you know the the typical kind of products that they that they're asked to promote. Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We keep coming back. It, so we've done a number of podcasts on this and we've written a number of articles on various issues with Web3 we're trying to all figure out. And it feels like a lot of it comes back to the fact that money plays such a central role in Web3 and it and it just muddies the waters even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing you said right at the start of that, which I think is worth looking at, is how difficult it is to tell when someone is being paid or has received a gifted item uh, to produce content on something or to write about it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I went on the UK government website and I went on the FTC, Federal Trade Commission website, to have a look at what would be considered a legal requirement um, and when would you be breaching the law on this front. And uh, I think this is interesting. So this is directly off the UK government website, but I will get to the US one in a sec. Mm -hmm. Um, Practices we have seen, which we consider do not go far enough to comply with the legal requirements include tagging a brand or business in either the text, picture and or video of the post without additional disclosure, Mm -hmm. tagging a gift from a brand in either text, picture, video without disclosure, using discount codes in a post without additional disclosure, using ambiguous language without additional uh, disclosure in a post, for example, thank you or made possible by or in collaboration with or thanks to, Mm -hmm. um, unclear use of hashtags, for example, hashtag spawn. (laughs) I don't think anyone's ever done that. (laughs) Uh, But then they added hashtag collab, which I think is fair enough. Um, Adding hashtag ad directly after the name of the brand 
uh, brand or business is not enough. No. That would, you'd st- it'd still be illegal if you did that in the UK. Yeah. Um, when the disclosure, for example, hash ad, hash advert is not prominent because it's hidden at the end of texts or at the end of hashtags. Mm-hmm. Um, product placement. Now, I think you wouldn't be able to, I think this is partially why we don't see Dunkin' Donuts um, brashly sitting on desks <laughs> on TV. Uh, product placement where there is an associated and undisclosed payment or other incentive. This feels like the everything made in the US has that. It yep. Just just from a UK little islander, that feels like what the US. Every TV yep. show I watch, they'll like they'll turn their iMac towards the screen, or you know, like there's just brand logos everywhere. It's disgusting to me, but uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Um, and then finally, disclosing the disclosing the commercial affiliation only on an influencer's front, home, or profile page, not on the ad itself. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought I'd compare that with um, the FTC's version and. They have a much shorter version, but but it's strikingly similar. Yeah. So they say it's shorter. They say disclosure is buried in hashtags or text. Disclosure is under click more or it requires you to keep scrolling. Mm-hmm. Disclosure contains ambiguous phrases. Yeah. Disclosure has unclear terminology. Disclosure blends in with the background, which is that feels like there's a story behind that one. No. Um, or and then I can't believe i'm saying this or using things like hashtag spawn hashtag collab hashtag partner or hashtag ambassador yeah um so i would say a great many people in web3 are doing i'm not saying they're so i think they're doing illegal stuff but i don't want to say they're doing I don't think they're knowingly doing things that are illegal. No, they're falling foul of both the UK and the UK standards for being transparent about whether you've been recompensed either in in product, in this case NFTs, or, or, or you know, um, money directly. Um, yeah. So especially in the UK, but increasingly so in the US, you have to make it very, very clear up front, you know, before a user gets any further information about what you've posted or about the video clip or whatever it is that you have been uh as i said recompensed either in product or in money to post about or talk about or otherwise recommend um a particular product and as you said i believe a huge majority of influencers in web3 are falling foul of this and I'm hoping that influencers start to comply to these standards before these uh, these regulatory bodies start more actively going after um, some of the more egregious happenings of this in the Web3 space. Yeah, I, I think there's a few roadblocks um, that will stop that. I think one is the whole confusion over Web3. I mean, yeah. the taxation situation in both the UK and the US over Web3 assets and crypto is a nightmare. Uh, it is just if you're not working in Web three, just trust me. <laughs> it's about the most stressful thing I've ever done is trying to play by the rules. Yeah, it, it's just it's so difficult. Um, so I think that will obscure things because obviously they'd have to check the wallet that sent the NFTs, the wallet that received it, when it was sent, when the ad went up. Like it, there's gonna, I, it'll be difficult. But yep. they can do it, but I, I don't imagine, particularly the UK, I don't imagine we have the manpower to do that. But mm-hmm. uh, I also think we should maybe circle back to how easy it seems to skirt the rules yep. um, by not ticking all those boxes. Like um, let's say you were tweeting about something um, someone sent you an NFT and was like, oh, hey, I've sent you an NFT. Maybe you can tweet about it. And then you tweet, oh, this NFT is cool. Uh, you should have a look. Yep. I don't think that actually breaches any rules, even mm. though it feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like they shouldn't be doing that. That does feel dodgy, particularly, again, because Web3, everything's an investment. Money's in Absolutely. everything. And this is where I think kind of the regulations on influencer marketing are kind of behind the... Uh, well, most regulations are behind on things anyway, but especially when it comes to influencer marketing and Web3, I think what the current rules and regulations are are behind where I think they should be. Um, as I said, I think it's kind of morally wrong to be not transparent if you're holding NFTs about projects you're talking about. I would imagine, although obviously I can't be 100% sure, that that's something that regulations would try and step in on um, in future. And as I said, I'm not aware, I'm not huge into stocks, but 
if you're holding, let's say, I don't know, 10,000 Tesla stocks, and surely there's got to be something in place to stop you just saying whatever you want about Tesla, like in a positive manner to increase your own holdings. I think that that just seems obvious to me. I just um, don't know. I don't know if there is. I mean, we've talked about it a little before, but I mean, we've already seen the market manipulation in Web3 has been wild. Obviously, we can't say for sure what's market manipulation, what isn't. But I think under ordinary circumstances, you know, outside of crypto, where if you looked at stocks, for instance, some of the things that have happened in Web3 would just be uh, uh, probably illegal or bordering illegal. And some of it, even the grey stuff, is really weird. I mean, look at um, Elon Musk with Dogecoin. That changed the price massively all, all he had to tweet was dogecoin and the price just goes up a thousand percent so i think there's there's a there's a lot to crypto that's really quite odd and i mean as we've said a million times it there's nothing that is like for like so you can't really compare it back um but I, i've always been a bit uncomfortable with calling and like you know re- referring to nfts in the same way you would stocks although there are similarities i think Stocks generally are just financial vehicles, and that's the purpose they serve. Obviously, they can be more than that. Surely most people view NFTs, or most collectors of NFTs view them as purely financial instruments. I think. From yeah, a- I, I agree, but they weren't designed to be that. No, no, I agree with that. Um, and I think that's the kind of the, the hook that a lot of projects hang their hat on. It's like, well, we didn't design this to be, you know, a financial instrument that you trade and you hope it goes up and goes down. We're just building yeah. a cool game or selling cool art or whatever the case may be. But I think yeah. from a from a regulatory point of view, if there was an authority looking at this, they wouldn't see too much different between an NFT and a stock at this point in time. You know, they have similar levels of volatility i think some people might say nfts are even more volatile uh, and the same levels of liquidity you know it's quite easy to buy and sell them uh, and you know from a from a person who's buying it perspective there's the expectation that they're going to go up in price they're going to go down in price so i don't think there's too much different there but also i don't think nfts i, I don't think nfts are similar to i know gone back to my hairdryer example a couple of times this episode but you know a hairdryer is not going to go up and down in value i mean unless you're making it out of gold or something you know it's limited edition yeah i mean it's if anything it's expected to depreciate in price over time you know you buy it for 20 if you resell it you're lucky to get i don't know 15 10 whatever um you don't expect your hairdryer to go up in price (laughs) if you resold it a week later um so no, but there are there are plenty of consumer purchases that do go up in price, and yes. I mean we talk about watches constantly, and I think there's a lot of examples. Uh, we'll talk about Rolex, but I mean, you know, we've we've talked about a ton of different crossovers and collaborations that have quadrupled in price the second they're released. I think Rolex is one of the most interesting examples because. I'd say a, a good percentage of people buying them are buying them as an investment or buying them to sell them on. And I think they have more of a um, similarity to NFTs and stocks do because you are you are buying something that uh, it, it serves a very kind of a niche purpose. I mean, obviously, we've got NFTs with utility and then you've got our NFTs. So it's a bit, it, obviously, you can split this up into lots of different sections. But I think if we're just using broad strokes here, buying a Rolex is is similar in a way to buying an nft and they don't nfts well rolexes aren't usually considered as an investment they're considered as an asset but um i i mean i i don't know i guess i I just don't know like would you have to pay capital gains on selling a rolex you bought i'm not i guess you probably would similar to how some nft projects will say hey you know we're we're not selling you know financial instruments we're just selling cool art or you know a piece of a game I don't think Rolex, if if a regulatory body went to Rolex, they're not, they would say that, you know, we're selling, we're just selling watches. We're selling something that has a use. You know, you can tell the time with it. I mean, yes, it's a very expensive way to be able to tell the time, but, (laughs) you know, it's, that's its purpose. Rolex don't try and sell or they don't market their watches as investment pieces. That's something that's been put onto their brand purely by the community. 
And it's they the do same. play to it though. They, they, like, they by play limiting to production, it. for example. They play to it, and I suppose you could say the same about NFTs. You know, oh, you know, there's an NFT. You can only mint a hundred of them, so they're exactly. rarer, so yeah, they're worth exactly. more. But I think with with Rolex in particular, you know, if you're looking at I don't know a Daytona, and you're thinking of dropping what about twenty k now? Yep. Obviously, Minimum. there's like there's rare materials. You're paying for the expertise of creation. You're paying for uh, you're you are paying a lot for the for the name on the on the dial. Let's be oh, honest yeah. as well. It's a status symbol. And, and, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and and some NFTs can be status symbols as well. But yeah, I, I think this boils down to what the what the majority of the main consumer market considers um, a particular product or, or an NFT to be. So if you're speaking about um, Rolex watches, I would say the amount of people buying them as an investment. I think that community is smaller than the amount of people buying them just because, hey, it's a cool watch. And even yeah. so, I think for those people that are just buying them as cool watches, they might be thinking, hey, this is a cool investment, but that's not their primary reason for buying it. It's, this is really cool, and it holds its value quite well. It's not, this holds its value really well, and it's kind of cool. Which is, I think, how the majority of the NFT community currently views NFTs. They, yeah. they're, they're looking at their their ability to hold value and I mean hopefully for the person holding them go up in value rather than how cool the NFT itself is yeah I think it depends on the person owning the Rolex owning the NFTs I mean we've seen it's difficult to tie it all up into utility because we've seen art has been a a vehicle for wealth for uh, I mean god knows how long hundreds of years Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it is down to the person who owns it but at the same time, I we need to put a category over the top of it. And I think it's safe to say that someone receiving an, an NFT, it is a form of payment. Oh, of if, you're, if you were given an NFT, it doesn't matter if it's our NFT or if it has utility. I think it's probably the same case in all examples of where you get an NFT. So whether it's a beta key or whether it's a, a collect, you know, a bored ape. I mean, mm-hmm. no, the thing is no one would say you know if an influencer started talking about board apes and then you traced back their board ape to board ape yacht club and they had sent it to this person to start talking about mm. no one would contest that that was payment no and and large payment as well mm-hmm. it, it, a very hefty fee so can is there is it done on price then you know I, i've been sent um forgerina sent me a, a few skins that totaled about two dollars uh is that is that payment? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, it's so messy. The, the regulations talk about payment; they don't talk about the size of the payment. Although, yeah, exactly, I suppose if you're exactly. talking about NFTs, it is quite a it is quite an important point. I mean, I, I was looking at the price of doodles, uh, doodle NFTs yesterday, and if you got one October November last year, there were one ETH. So let's say if the project, you know, the doodles project gave you one in October, November, when it was priced at one ETH. And you've spent, since then, you've spent a lot of time talking about them, promoting them, etc. And I think the current floor price is about 13 ETH. Is that somehow, would that be seen from a, like a regulatory point of view or, or really just from like a, a community point of view as being worse than if that NFT is still worth one ETH? I don't know. It's... I- I mean, you can't. You've got no control over that, though, right? And I mean, there's a, there's a worse there's a worse example of that. I mean, j- the exact same thing, but worse is um, people got CryptoPunks for free. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is the floor price of CryptoPunks now? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but you're you're speaking no, I don't. like in, in in USD value, you're talking six figures. So easily, yeah. I guess you just always have to disclose. Disclose that. That's. I think that's the point. That's the only way. That's kind of the point I'm trying to drive home with this podcast is that it is on any influencer or, you know, us as media sites or any person who has an audience in the space to disclose that they are being paid or whether that's in fiat or in crypto or in NFTs or disclose their holdings if they have substantial holdings in a project that they're talking about. And I am aware of projects and influencers on the wax chain and I'm I would imagine this is the case on other chains as well, that um, either innocently, because they don't know the laws and regulations that we've discussed in this podcast, or more facetiously, they are deliberately 
breaking um, advertising standards authorities regulations or obfuscating the fact that they're being incentivized to promote particular projects particular chains etc in web3 and to go back to what i said earlier from a um, from a collector's point of view it is becoming increasingly difficult because particular influencers media sites etc are not disclosing these things it's becoming very difficult to tell uh, what is an organic tweet saying hey i like this from a paid tweet saying hey i like this and that's very, very, um, I just, oh man, I just really dislike it. <laughs> yeah, for, for good reason. For yeah. good reason. Because you don't know who to trust and, Absolutely. Who, and who you can't trust. And I, I'm going to tread extremely carefully here because um, the person I'm talking about has way more money than me. And I worry <laughs> if they sue me, I'll just lose by default. Um, but there is a, I'm going to be as vague as possible here, but you can trust me. If you look into this, you'll be able to track it down because I think someone in the WAX community was the person that did the investigating. But there's a major YouTuber who um, had a person on Twitter call them out for accepting um, fees, payments, NFTs, all sorts of stuff to promote certain crypto coins. And it's crazy what he wasn't declaring absolutely crazy i mean taking I, I have no idea how much this person made particularly when we were in a bull market this person probably made a, a fortune not even a small fortune a fortune and didn't really declare any partnerships or any payments he, i haven't gone through all this person's content so i don't know for sure i'm just going off of this tweet that called him out and it was extensive and and thanks to blockchain it's kind of unambiguous it's not open to interpretation you just trace the wallets like we've even in the wax um ecosystem we've got uh, wax detective now Mm -hmm. which allows you to type in a wallet address and see what wallets are connected to that um so a lot of people i think you've used it in the past to check for bots on giveaways which is exactly what we use it for um but you can also check influences like you could check my wallet you could check uh john's wallet and see what we're up to and who we're connecting and you know if there's a wallet that's feeding us wax every single month and you're like well okay what's that and you look at that wallet and it's um i don't know the forgerina and basically i've been being paid every month to promote forgerina hadn't declared it that that's indefensible Mm -hmm. that i'm presenting myself as impartial um as objective obviously I, i have biases the same as anyone does but I do my best to present the information as I see it. Mm-hmm. So if I don't declare the fact that I'm being paid anything in anything to to discuss something, then my firstly, what I'm writing is to my eyes is redundant. Yep. Anyone who writes something and doesn't declare that they were paid for it, it I don't care what they said. It is absolutely pointless. And this is why going back to why I don't do advertorials. I don't, I just don't know why anyone's reading an advertorial. <laughs> yeah. What is the point? It, it's like, imagine turning on your TV and fast forwarding through the TV show so you could get to the adverts. Like, because that's what you're doing. <laughs> that's it's like, pretty oh, much. oh, I can't, I can't wait to listen to this advert. It's, it's absolutely pointless. When you want to buy something or you want to know more about a product, you read reviews. If that review has been paid for to be biased and has had editorial control by the people that paid for it, it's, it's redundant pointless i'm not going to disclose which projects this is but i've been reached out by more than one project in the past and offered money to um to publish advertorials and not disclose their advertorials so yeah obviously i I I would never take that and advertorials in and of themselves i just i think i've done one in the entire history of nft inside it was about 10 months ago and i made sure that was from the moment you clicked on it very obvious that that had been paid <laughs> to be published um yeah but i and, think that- and your high end the high end porsche you bought was just it's just a coincidence oh yeah oh, people, oh yeah of course people don't get that it's just a coincidence <laughs> oh man i don't even have a full driving license so i don't know what i'd even do with a porsche anyway wow. <laughs> um I, I think this is one of the good things about blockchain tech is that if somebody's being paid in crypto or nfts you can go and look them up um it's usually yeah. not too difficult to find out um, what somebody's wallet is uh, and if you're not able to do it then there's going to be people in the community that are um, and if they find something shady as Rob just said most people are more than happy to disclose that kind of thing publicly if they see something shady oh, yeah. going on Straight so Twitter. I, I, I will on the point that some people might be doing this more innocently because they don't know the regulations I, I don't want to come across like I'm defending the people that are doing this 
well, either whether doing it innocently or deliberately, I think it's very bad either way. But because regulations haven't caught up to the activity in Web3 yet, a lot of us are just guessing what the authorities want us to do. And um, those of us who are approaching things in the right way are trying to approach them in the case of what would be the most morally correct thing to do. I think I do that, Rob does that, but that's not to say that everybody in the space does that. And I do think there's people kind of taking advantage of the fact that... um, Know, regulations haven't caught up and they're not going to um going to find themselves on the short end of a stick for for breaking these things yet um yeah I think- and on sorry on that note as well i think a lot of people will say well you know we haven't got any guidance on this i think that is a poor excuse oh yeah you, absolutely just use use the things we already have web 2 so use the asa and fda fca whatever they're called um use their guidelines for web 2 mm-hmm. and then if there's an area that isn't really covered, perhaps you can add something into it, you know, like just use common sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can get away with saying that. It, no, it really I, think, is ridiculous. I think if you're, if you're a responsible influencer in whatever guise of influencer you are, um, then using your common sense in these kinds of situations will usually land you um, on the correct side of things whenever, you know, proper uh, regulations and things are put in place. I mean, like I said, we follow the advertising standards authority here in the UK, but we also apply some common sense when it comes to discussing these. So, you know, for example, whenever I talk uh, or whenever I do a giveaway, whether it's on stream or on um, or on Twitter, um, usually, I mean, I, I think I've just, uh, I, I do usually two a week, but I'll usually say, thanks to this project, we've got five packs to give away. And if you go and look at my wallet, I've been given five packs. It's not, here's five packs and here's one to keep for yourself because I don't, I don't like that. Because then, I, like I said, I'm being paid. It might not be in fiat, but I'm being otherwise recompensed to, uh, to you know, yeah. give give some NFTs away. But I think in time, a lot of these loopholes will be closed. Um, but just until then, just just use common sense. Um, I think that's that's the best thing we can say to to you know some influencers or some people uh, that you know might be might be listening to this. Um, just to kind of to tie up there, we're talking about you know. Um, giveaways on streams. I think uh, we referred to, um, earlier in the podcast to the fact that uh, marketing to get today is becoming more and more intrusive. You know, mm. like I said, 20 years ago, it was just you had your TV ads, your radio ads, and your billboards outside, and maybe some leaflets through your door. Uh, and now it's whatever form of media you turn to or whatever has eyes on it. Um, advertisers and marketers are going to find a way to uh, to get their products in front of you. So yeah, whether it's, it's Black Mirror. Oh yeah, very Black Mirror. So uh, you know whether it's YouTube ads or uh, you know Netflix or whatever it is, um, you know if if there's attention towards it, um, people in advertising and marketing will will be paying their money to get certain product names um, in front of you. But I think that's a, uh, I think the topic of uh, marketing and advertising and Web three and just how intrusive that's going to be. <laughs> we should probably save another podcast because it gets very Black Mirror very quickly. And yeah. I will say a lot of uh, the things that immediately spring to mind for me. I-, I think it's not a case of oh this might happen. It's a case of give it five years. This will be the case. <laughs> but we'll yeah. um, we'll we'll discuss that some uh, some other time um so yeah i think that'll uh, that'll wrap up this this episode i think um, as, as i said at the start i don't think it's a topic that's necessarily been talked about all too much in the in the web 3 space but it is very important because i think there's this in web 2 um at the very least whenever you you know you're watching a youtube video or whatever the case may be um people 99% of people disclose that they're being paid, either in product or in in money, you know. And for the 1% of people that try to get away with it, they get caught. Um, But at the moment in Web3, there's nowhere near that higher percentage disclosing and far, far fewer people are being caught or being called out on taking under-the-table payment and not disclosing it. So I think it's something that everybody needs to keep in mind. Um, But of course, with a lot of this happening on blockchain, you can go and look it up. (laughs) So... Mm. So yeah, there we go. Um, episode 28 of the Mint One podcast in the books. Uh, and I think it's outro time. So Rob, where can we find you? It is outro time. Okay, uh, you can find me at uh, tokengamer.io where we post daily content on blockchain gaming. Um, we've also recently started a Twitch channel where we have someone called Superdope 
who streams Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we do lots of giveaways in that, which we declare everything to do with. <laughs> uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash token gamer. And then we have Token Gamer on YouTube as well, where we do highlights from the streams. And we're also releasing a series, hopefully this week, the first video comes out, which is a sort of look at um, blockchain games. So we take a blockchain game and we tell you what it's about, how you can play it and whether it's worth your time. Awesome. Uh, and then we have our app, the Token Gamer app, which is Wax centric. And it's on the Apple App Store and the Play Store on Google. You can look at your Wax account, all the NFTs you own, all your account details, as in like how much of each token you have, how much it's all worth, how much you've lost in this awful bear market, um, and as well as push notifications, which we're rolling out as alpha at the moment. But when you make a sale on Atomic Hub or you know, you've know you done something with Blockchain Brawlers and you've got some gold, you get a push notification to let you know. So uh, that's, it's way nicer than I thought it would be. Like <laughs> I didn't think I'd care that much about push notifications, but then you're like, oh, that NFT sold, or I put a bid on something and, and, I, and I won, or someone's just sent me some wax for that. Or yeah. it's, it ends up being really good because you know immediately. And when I think about banking, like my banking apps, I get push notifications for all money that goes in and out of my account. And it's mm -hmm. always the latter, unfortunately, but uh, at least I get push notifications. So I know I'm sad because uh, otherwise <laughs> I, I wouldn't know I'm meant to be sad. I wouldn't know my money's gone. Um, so yeah, that that's, um, that's nice. I think that's everything we've got giveaways going at the moment for Music Mogul. And then we have um, a cool giveaway starting next week. Uh, this was a long one over to you, John. Nice one. Uh, so for the latest NFT news, uh, you can go to nftinsider.io. Uh, we are, well, we've got a whole bunch of things that we need to publish uh, coming out of NFT NYC. Spoken to, uh, wow, a whole bunch of uh, PFP projects, upcoming games, etc. And uh, not just on, you know, Polygon and Solano and, you know, ETH as well. Some some really cool stuff that, uh, fingers crossed, is coming to wax um, that you'll be able to see um, on NFT Insider soon. Uh, and on socials, we, of course, are at nftinsider underscore io on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we've got a giveaway running on Twitter at the moment. I believe that's for uh, Music Mogul as well, of course. And uh, when that one wraps up, we'll have uh, another one going as well. So, um, yeah, if you want nice. to be in the chance with uh, to winning some NFTs, then uh, then there you go. Uh, for me personally, it is at Hydropowered, H-Y-D-R-O-P-W-R-D, on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, um, TikTok. TikTok. Uh, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Uh, for, no, MySpace. I'm not on Facebook. Not my oh man, MySpace. Bing. <laughs> Bing. I think. Uh, oh, I think MySpace was before my time. Actually, man. Okay, and uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> I think I'd caught the very like back end of MySpace. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been. Um, I think my personal Twitter is kind of the best place for um, for kind of the, the latest updates for myself. Uh, I published a selfie I did with William Quigley <laughs> lately. Um, I uh, so, so Some other really cool stuff. Uh, and of course, my, my industry commentary and some advice for people in the space as well. So you can find all of that there. Um, awesome. That is everything for me. Okay. Cool. Play us out. <laughs> We always get to this stage, and that's when the wheels fall off. Um, I don't, I, I don't know what to do at this point. So um, <laughs> I just wait for you to to, to lead me out the door, uh, and then I, no. I wander off. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, well, thank you everybody who is listening to this for tuning in to episode twenty eight of the Main World Podcast, and we hope you listen in again next week. Hashtag spawn. Hashtag spawn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Still lurking in my mind, that. What well, is this pod technically sponsored by NFT Insider and Token? Well, not really. Mm, no, we just kind of run it. We, we do want the Mad Monk sponsorship. If we can oh, get I'd Mad love Monk a Mad Monk sponsorship. Be... It fuels this podcast. It, it, it <laughs> quite literally, quite literally does. We both, we both have a Mad Monk before we start recording, so it really does. <laughs> We weren't paid for that. We were not paid for no, that. No, we weren't. Um, we weren't. This is the worst episode <laughs> to, have, <laughs> to have said that. Yeah, what a way to end a podcast about advertising and promoting a product we've not been paid to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm effectively giving them money for me to talk about them. So. Yes, I mean, so am I. Uh, okay. Uh, right, we, yeah, we leave. probably should have cut this a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine.